0: Sources, inside sources, inside sources, where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host void Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM at 1160 AM, Republicans and Democrats alike are trying to figure out how they win in 2022. Crucial midterm elections coming up. And the question, as we've been talking about today, is about leadership, both Republican and Democratic leadership. Uh, One question, should the Republicans take some advice from President Biden and rebuild their party from the bottom up and the middle out? Let's begin. Think you know the news of the day? They began. A look at both sides of the aisle when it comes to leadership we've been talking about that from a business standpoint we've talked about it from agencies uh, and how they're leading what's happening there and uh, now we want to look at the political parties in terms of what they are doing and to help us do that nobody better uh, louise alvarado is uh, joining us he's a longtime republican strategist uh, has had many successful campaigns including at the local level because we do like that uh, bottom up and middle out uh, louise thanks for joining us today
1: Thanks for the invitation. And uh, by the way, when I run our campaigns, uh, most of my campaigns are municipal races, but in Los Angeles County, where you have 11 million residents, they become large campaigns. <laughs> <laughs> those
0: are, those are very big campaigns. And I think a lot of us here in the state of Utah, we, we, can't quite wrap our head around that, uh, you know, three million total here and you're, you're doing a local race with 11 million. That's, uh, that's a lot of folks. Uh, but let's, let's talk about this. I think it's been interesting to see, uh, and let's start at the national level. Uh, one of the things that seems to be, uh, at least beginning to be talked about finally is the the aging party leadership on both the Republican and the Democratic side. Let's start with the Republicans. Mitch McConnell is eighty. Chuck Grassley's eighty-eight. Uh, former President Trump is seventy-five. Uh, is it mm-hmm. is it time to uh, regroup, rebuild, and uh, bring in a next generation of leaders for the Republicans?
1: Well, that's the only formula for success. For today and for tomorrow, because let's be frank, uh, and the reality is that in about 15, 20 years, none of those three gentlemen are going to have an impact on what the Republican Party stands for. Yeah. And the same thing can be said about Joe Biden and Schumer and <laughs> Nancy Pelosi.
0: That's Yeah, that's right. You look at those ages, uh, if you add in uh, Schumer and Nancy Pelosi, uh, James Clyburn, Maxine Waters, Diane Feinstein, uh, and of course the president himself uh, are all... Uh, getting up there in age and yet they've been able to hold on to power that has kind of been the process for both sides and it's sort of this idea of you just have to wait your turn or when it's your turn it's your turn uh is there going to be a moment where finally uh the younger generation says okay no more uh we got to make some changes Uh,
1: and unfortunately for our party our republican party uh, what seems to be happening is that the focus of the power used to be in Washington, D.C., and now it's been somehow taken to South Florida. Mm. So if you want to run for office at a national level, the resources, and by resources, I just don't mean the money, but you know, the connectivity, the yeah. data, the, the, the power is, is in Florida and uh we saw last night uh two specific national races of prominence where one of those candidates that was a appoint- that was endorsed that was promoted that was financed by uh Donald Trump uh you know hit a wall and that's because in Nebraska the governor has more power has more influence and the money and the endorsing of Donald Trump didn't work mm-hmm
0: fascinating yeah that i think that's so interesting to to look at that and uh, i wanted to float this theory past you because uh you're a great strategist in all of this uh so i have i have told uh, members of the let's take the united states senate uh for one path uh many are are frustrated with the the stranglehold that mitch mcconnell has had uh on power for a, a very long time uh and let's just suppose we'll use this as a scenario let's say Let's say they end up with a 52-48 Republican Senate coming out of the midterms. Uh, so that means that for someone to be the majority leader, it only takes 26 votes. Uh, and it seems to me that there has to be 26 senators out there who are also tired of Mitch McConnell having a stranglehold on power. 26 doesn't seem like a big number to me, is it?
1: Uh, actually, uh you have to understand the dynamics of Washington in the Senate. And it also has to do, like I just talked about, with the resources that are yeah. being uh, dished up Because those senators, those U.S. senators, still need to win. And they need donor base, uh, the donor base to be able to support them. And Mitch McConnell has a stronghold on that donor base. So if they are somehow uh, seem to be in disagreement with Mitch McConnell, and they have the ability to self-fund or to create their own funding universe that doesn't get affected by mitch mcconnell then they're going to have the ability to stand up on themselves otherwise especially the freshman senators are not going to have that privilege
0: yeah and we we talk about that power of uh, incumbency is the the longer they stay the harder it is to to move them out we tend to send the uh, incumbents back at, a, at an, a an alarming rate uh in my view uh, and so let's let's kind of break it down and and bring it back to some of the local races and and building the bench, so to speak. Right. Um, where are the real opportunities to for some leadership to begin uh, to emerge that ultimately could could lead a party?
1: Well, what I'm seeing is that the advantage of modern uh, media, technology, and communications, and you know, wonderful shows like yours is that people get to make their own decisions on what or who is going to be more beneficial to them and their families. And what I mean by that is that in the old days, I'm going to go back a few decades ago, you know, people depended on the party to give the stamp of approval. If the party gave a stamp of approval to a certain group of candidates, then you knew that the that they were vetted by the party and, and, and that they would uh, be automatically considered the the, the front-running candidates. Today, uh, people sidestep the party now, and that includes the Democrats. Yeah, And that's the problem they're having right now, and that's what they seem to be in the pathway to losing control of the Senate and the lower house, is because the party in itself doesn't have sway. And they lost control. It can't keep a control on the progressives. And for in our case, as a Republican, you know, when the power shifted to Mar-a-Lago, a lot of Republicans in those purple states are going to find themselves... Uh, to be in deep trouble if they can't communicate with the electorate. And the same applies to the lower races, yeah. you know, the state house races to big municipalities. We're seeing it uh, with AG races, with state uh, secretary of state races. And that affects uh, how the bench is going to be able to to build a strong uh, um, opportunity for leadership in today and tomorrow. Yeah, very important. And I've been dying to ask you this question. Uh, you, you understand
0: the dynamics of, uh, being a Republican in California. Uh, I think you actually have something in common with a lot of Democrats here in the state of Utah. Uh, and in some of these places where they just haven't been competitive for a long time, where one party has been much stronger. Uh, what's the key to making some inroads, uh, whether you're a Republican in California or a Democrat in the state of Utah?
1: About eight years ago, I was part of founding an organization called Grow Elect, which we actually had donor base, uh, look at us and we were able to fund, we identify, fund, uh, uh, prepare and propel, uh, Republican Latino candidates. For nonpartisan offices, and we found success. Uh, the organization won over 200 races, mm. and once you didn't, once you were able to sidestep the uh, weight of the national party uh, branding, you could uh, then uh, let the the uh, the candidates and their biographies shine with the uh, constituents, with the electorate, and they were able to win their elections and. Uh, I think that's one of the things that the party stopped do- doing. And it's one of the things where if, and I, I hate to sound critical of the structure of the RNC and Mar-a-Lago and that unification, if their focus is going to be a national and Senate and congressional races alone, then they are uh, leaving money on the table mm-hmm. when they don't find the ability to support, to propel, to prepare candidates that are conservative, they're going to have the ability to lead the nation in the future. Uh, Great insight as always, Luis
0: Alvarado. Joining us from California, longtime Republican strategist and uh, just a a great political thinker. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for the invitations. Uh, Pleasure speaking with you. All right, we'll have uh, Luis back again uh, very soon. Love his perspective there. And uh, again, it comes down to leadership. And will the parties and the younger members... Whether they're Democrats or Republicans, when are they going to be ready to take a risk and do it different? Uh, again, whether the Republicans have a 5248 majority, or whether the Democrats have a 5248 majority, to become the leader would only require 26 votes. As Luis said, that's tough to take on that leadership because of money, fundraising, power, committee assignments. But if we don't have people in office who are willing to take a risk to lead, why are they really there? It's a leadership issue. With Boyd Matheson on KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Colley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast Cold.